nice to meet you, Dan. Nice to I'm, meet you. Uh, I'm very excited to have you on my show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> is it your studio? Yes, this is my studio. Yeah, it's kind of crazy right now. Well, it looks awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Introduce yourself to people who don't know anything about you, like say a few words about yourself and your art. Sure. Um, so I am an American artist. I'm mm -hmm. also Vietnamese. Um, I live and work in Dallas, Texas. Um, and I make, I primarily work in sculptures, but I make all kinds, um, freestanding ones, ones that sit on shelves for walls. Um, yeah, I'm kind of known for like a certain look. Uh, they are organic, blobby, drippy, very colorful pieces. Mm -hmm. You have your master's degree from the Arizona State University, right? What kind of art did you do then? How is it different from now? Uh, I did get my master's in painting and drawing. So um, when I went and I started, I was pretty much just working on the walls. And I started becoming very interested in sculpture during my time at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create a body of work for my thesis that was sculptures, but um, I kind of honed it back in and stayed on the walls. But the work became very sculptural. Um, mm -hmm. I started working with a lot of the materials that I work with now, um, including polyurethane foam, um, resins I'd been working with for a little bit. But um, they were large scale, like maybe four by four feet or five by five feet. They sat on the wall, but they would come off the wall and were very, um, had a lot of uh, form to them. Mm -hmm. And what did professors think of your art? <laughs> um, I think for the most part, my professors were supportive, but you know, there was definitely a, they were supportive of me working into sculpture. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that kind of spoke speaks to the program and where it is now after I've graduated, because I think they've done away with all of the separate um, areas of study and it's just one general degree mm -hmm. now. But um, as far as my own personal work, I think the professors were supportive, but the most support I got was from other students. Um, yeah, when I did my thesis show, it was the, the feedback from my from the work that I presented was just so positive and um, people are just really, really excited about it. So that made me, you know, it made me feel like I had done something right. What year was it? So I graduated in 2014. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm very interested to learn about your creative process because uh, I'm a painter, not a sculptor. And I like to learn how you create your ideas first and then what materials you use and how you combine them together? Usually the way I work is I have, I have ideas and I have concepts, but I don't really, I don't sketch. I don't like necessarily pre-plan because the materials that I use have, they aren't controllable the way something like clay for ceramics is, you know, with clay, you can, get very detailed and sculpt and make it very precise to how you want it. And so it, I think in that case, like sketching something would make sense. Like I, I have this idea, I need to get it out and then let me make this shape based on the sketch. Um, but for me, a lot of times it's just 
a loose idea I have in my mind of how I want something to look. And then I will use the materials to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I'll I'll jot down ideas, um, sometimes a loose sketch here and there, but really um, it comes out in the form of words. And then I just, I execute from there. Uh, But a lot of the materials I use, like polyurethane foam, resin, different varieties of resins, glues, um, some epoxy clay, um, these things, they have sort of their own properties. And so when you work with them, you learn like, oh, this one, you know, if I, if I mix it too early and I pour it too early, then it's going to create this effect. Or if I wait too long to pour it, it's going to create this effect. So um, based on those details, I can, I'll be working on something and I'll think, oh, let me, let me actually try to replicate that the next time if I did something by accident, let's say. Um, and then it kind of just, it evolves from there. You know, you, you're mm-hmm. doing the process, you're working with the materials and the materials kind of teach you what they're capable of and how you can possibly manipulate them, I guess, to a certain extent to get what you want. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you start? Let's say it's foam. Do you carve it out and then uh, pour acrylic over it or there is something else to it? No, uh, so it is. It's a lot of layering of materials. Okay. Um, I'm not. There have been works where I have taken things away, but most of my work now is built upon. So I start with foam. I use resin to, you know, as like a structural support and then um, paint more resin, texture, color, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just builds up from there. So by the time the piece is finished, it's very far from the original state of the material. Okay. And do you envision the final form before you start or it's whatever happens in the process of making it? So generally I have an idea of what I want and mm-hmm. I have to, I create the form based on that. So it's a, it's an idea in here. And I, like I mentioned, like I don't sketch it out really because, mm-hmm. because I can't get precise with it. So I have an idea of what I want to happen. And then I work with the materials to make it happen. Um, so it is like an image. It's like I see it in my mind and then I I go from there. So describe one of your ideas then. The one one I'm working on currently is um it's a large scale, well large for me. Um it it looks kind of like a chair. I actually just posted it a few weeks ago to my Instagram of some process. Um but you know I work at like a a smaller scale usually like you know, I don't know, like, <laughs> like this big. And then sometimes when I do that, I'll think, Oh, what if I, what if I enlarge this? What if I can make this bigger? Mm-hmm. And, um, so in the piece I'm currently working on, that's what's happening is I had worked with some of these shapes that were like, they kind of look like waterfalls. Um, mm-hmm. is how I would describe it. There's some, most of my stuff is very organic, but there's some like structural elements and, um, on the small scale, it worked. And so I said, let's try to make this big. And so when you do that, there's like, there's different things that have to shift because the scale shifts. So the properties of the material change and you can't control it the same way. So, so that it would be an example of like how the material kind of 
teaches me um, what I can and can't do with it. So I've, you know, become very pretty efficient at working at it with a, at a certain scale. And then when I shift everything, suddenly it changes and I have to problem solve to make that idea in my mind be possible. Mm -hmm. Do you use the same materials for your sculptures of a different scale? Let's say if you work on a small piece, do you use the same materials for that or you change them depending on the size of your sculpture? Yeah, so um, I have pieces that are like eight feet tall and mm -hmm. the material has to change. Um, it's something that... I kind of see when it when it changes that much, um, I kind of see the the smaller works that I do as models or, mm -hmm. you know, like tests for these mm -hmm. larger things um, or reference, you know. So once I shift up to, you know, life size or bigger, um, that everything does have to change because the materials I use at a small scale don't have the same structural support. So I can't, you know, if it's like big and someone can like touch it and there's there's a new concern there of it breaking or collapsing. Mm -hmm. um, so it has to be strong. So what's on the inside of a big sculpture? Well, usually for is the it large light? Sculpture. Is it light or heavy or? For the big sculptures, they're pretty heavy. Um, okay. But my regular size sculptures, they're very light. Uh, it just really depends. That's one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to the materials I am is because I think there's this lightness to them mm -hmm. that they look heavy, but they are light. And I like mm -hmm. that sort of, surprise that happens when people pick something up and they're like oh my gosh this is so much lighter than I thought um but for large-scale stuff yeah they're heavy they get you know they when they're big some there's like wooden armature or metal armature underneath for to give it okay. you know that base um yeah and so what do you have on top of the wooden structure do you use a resin over it or um so with the larger pieces, it's a little bit more traditional method, uh, but I use foams mostly. It's mostly oh. foam mm -hmm. and it has to be stuff that's like, like the paint shifts. Like I use more automotive paints because they're stronger and they're like, mm -hmm. you know, they're knowing that if something's going to be big and people are going to be interacting with it, you have to take into account, you know, that interaction. And so you have to think about like the weather and outside and people mm -hmm. Um, so, so the materials, you know, you have to find things that are just tougher and can withstand all of that. Okay. Uh, do you send them or, or no? Like ship them? Um, no, like, uh, doing oh, sanding. Sand them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually, yes. Uh, sanding takes the longest. <laughs> yeah. Sanding is one of the longest things for all of the, the large scale pieces. It's something that I think, you know, it's not like the prettiest part or the most interesting part of the process. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think people don't necessarily share it as much. Um, but for anything big, there's a ton of sanding involved and mm -hmm. it takes forever. I'd say that's the longest part. Mm -hmm. You use very bright neon-like colors. Uh, what kind of paints are these? Um, so I use, most of my colors are, are fluorescent. They're neon yeah. colors. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I use a mix of uh, golden or Createx, anything that gives me the most vibrant um, color mm -hmm. I can get. And the cool thing about using the neons is under black light, they glow. So yeah. that's another like little surprise that happens. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's uh, the most exciting part about the sculptures because they have 
such bright colors. And I, I like how they flow one to another. It's, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Do you want to mention any specific brands of uh, paints? Yeah, um, so Golden is my main one. Golden, I love Golden. Main yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, I've tried other brands, but Golden really, you know, I mean, they're, they're one of the best. So they've, they've mm -hmm. got it unlocked and they have a really wide range of colors. And um, when I use them, I, of course, I mix my own colors too. Uh, so it's nice that they have a wide range of fluorescence because it's not, you know, like fluorescent colors, there's issues with them too, because um, they're not light fast. So mm -hmm when you when they sit in the sun for a long time they'll start to fade mm -hmm. and I think golden has been one of the best for like longevity yeah yeah it's a very good yeah mm -hmm. very good brand um what about your raisin what kind of raisin do you use um so I use a mix of stuff it just depends on my needs but uh my favorite is art resin I really really like mm -hmm. art resin it has okay. a good amount of flexibility and so that's nice sometimes when you need something to have you know if you if you need it to, to ha be able to have some give um when you use a resin that's too hard it can crack very easily if you know mm -hmm. you drop it or something like that um so art resin's really nice i also really like this brand called entropy resin um they are a i believe it's like an offshoot of west systems which is a really established brand of resins they're used mm -hmm. in everything um, but entropy resins uses the excess from west systems so it's kind of they call it a bio resin because it's like recycled material they're they're mm -hmm. repurposing it um, and they have a great range of like different hardnesses different cure times um, casting resins laminating resins so their their range is really broad and um it's really fun to play with their stuff because they just have so many options um but i like the idea of you know we're using plastic so it's nice to know that it's coming from something that's that's like kind of second generation do you uh, mix your colors into the resin or you layer the resin on top of the color it's a mix I, it just depends. Yeah. Um, I'll add color to resin often mm -hmm. um, because I like that play of how colors are mixing through the layers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's some like optical, you know, like optical mixing that happens when you do that. And you're, you're not sure if like, oh, is that a purple? Is that a blue? And you get it close and you're like, oh, it's actually both. So there's some fun things that that I like to do with that stuff. Okay. You divide your portfolio into three sections blobs drapes and squishes yeah <laughs> how, did, how did you come up with this names <laughs> um so yeah they're kind of they're playful because my work is very playful and um i wanted words that were kind of like onomatopoeias you know they they sound like what they look like mm -hmm. um so they're just you know they're kind of like they're just like a fun way to organize them <laughs> If you like this video, please uh, share it with your friends, uh, leave a comment or rate this podcast. Thanks so much. I'm just thinking that I'd like to take one piece from your portfolio collection and you describe how you come up with the idea and how you build it. Is that okay? okay? Yeah.
What is it called? Uh, uh, the Empress. It's very um, light. <laughs> it's it's actually I remember making this one. Of course, I remember all of them, but this one was special because it was the first one I made like this. Okay. And so, um, yeah, 2020, I started doing everything drippy. You know, before 2020, it was I did these little spikes mm -hmm. um, on top of my forms, and so this was like a time where my my texture changed and I remember I had the idea for this piece just in my mind like I mentioned like it's it's always mm -hmm. you know just up here and um I really wanted to play with these iridescent colors so one of the things about color that I like to explore is like I mentioned this optical mixing that happens you know when you when you're far away from something and there's layers of colors and then you get up close it's just like painting like like optically mixing a black, yes, you know, layering all the colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, there's this, it's kind of like a movement that happens. There's mm -hmm. something you're like, is it, what is it doing? So I wanted to play with these um, pigments that are, these are iridescent pigments, but essentially they're kind of like a chameleon pigment where depending on where you're standing and the lighting, mm -hmm. they might look one color and then you move and they might be another color. Mm -hmm. So this pigment was doing the things that I, I wanted to capture within like the colors that I was using. Um, so yeah, it's like, it just, I made the form, I made the shape, the texture, and then I finished it with this, this iridescent color. And it just, it really like launched a whole, a whole thing for me. Okay. Well, the next one is microdose. It's in the blobs section. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so microdose, I go back and forth between working on wall pieces. Um, you know, it's like sometimes sometimes I focus on the squishes, sometimes I focus on the drips. Um, so there was this moment last year where I was just fully focused on these wall pieces, again, with like this idea of optical mixing. So, you know, I made these forms, I painted them, and then I put this texture on top and was like, it's almost like I almost saw it as like mosaic. I wanted to find something that could cover all the cracks and then just have this object be colorful and blobby and makes you get up close to it and wonder like what's what's happening with those colors. I'm currently working on some different things, but along in the same vein. So a lot of the pieces that I put up on my website are this is more of a portfolio and they're pieces that were kind of catalysts or important moments in what I was doing. So then they, they spark more um, after the fact. I, I want to ask these questions, but, but, but you don't have to answer. Okay. <laughs> I can just cut it out um, okay. <laughs> if you don't want to answer. Okay. <laughs> Is it the influence of mushrooms? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. For sure. Yeah. So um, a lot of the things that I've been thinking about have to do with perception and reality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I first in my career, when I was first being interviewed for my work, I, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, like they're so psychedelic. Your work looks like it's influenced by mm -hmm. mushrooms or acid or whatever. And I, you know, for me, those things have very, been very influential in my mm -hmm. life and in in just for me as a person. 
Um, but my work was never directly about those things. So mm-hmm. I never was making work about trips, you know, or like things that mm-hmm. I saw, but they come out. They just naturally, because it mm-hmm. informs who I am. Um, so of course it's going to come out in the work. So for a long time, I didn't like address it in a direct mm-hmm. way. But last year I was like, I want to, I just want to open those doors fully mm-hmm. and go all in. So yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, because <laughs> it's obvious, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you learn from your trips? What did it give you? There have been, I've had some very intense trips. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first times I took it, I was in college. So like early, I was in like my early 20s. Um, and I think that was the first time I was able to see, physically, like actually see with my eyes, the connectedness of everything, mm-hmm. all living things just together, me with another person, with my cat, with the trees, with the grass, everything, mm-hmm. everything was alive. Um, and so to be able to see it was amazing. It, mm-hmm. it really just connected it all for me and made me more sensitive to mm-hmm. life, I think. Um, so that was a big lesson. And then I had, I had a really intense trip where I, I mean, it was like an ego death. Like I, I -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, that was so heavy. Um, I don't, I can't verbalize the trip itself, but what I can say is coming back from there was, it was like I was piecing together this reality. So mm-hmm. when I was coming back, I was like, I, I remember having thoughts about my mom, but then not understanding what mother meant um, or like family or love relationships. Like I had to, it had to start to like piece itself back together in order for me to come back into this form, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing because, mm-hmm. you know, what was on the other side was, it was just simple. It was just nothing, but it was really beautiful. And then knowing that how we exist, you know, physically now in this, this place, Mm -hmm. um, is a sort of construct, you know? And I think there's freedom in knowing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, It's always interesting to know what people get out of it because there is a lot of stigma about drugs in general and psychedelics get lumped into this general category. But um, there is very little education and understanding of um, true power of psychedelics. So I absolutely agree. Um, And I think one of the, one of the things too, I think maybe that's like part of why when I was, early on in my career where people were asking me about those things, it was, it was difficult to talk about because there is this, like, Mm -hmm. there is a stigma associated with it. But as I've, as I've like progressed and become more comfortable of where I am, Mm -hmm. um, I think by talking about it, it makes it more not commonplace, but it just, it opens a dialogue. And at Mm -hmm. least there's a dialogue because I remember when I was in high school or when I was a kid, there was, no one was talking about it. And so there's almost a danger to that, you know, like mm-hmm. where if you don't talk about it, then there's no safe resources. There's no sh- communal sharing of knowledge and you could end up 
on a bad trip and then, you know, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think it's important to talk about and share. Yeah. I, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> That's very nice of you. So what's your favorite time to create? At night. At night. Yeah. yeah. It's always been that way. Um, usually the sweet spot I'd say is like 11 to one. 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I, I have to like wake up and stuff. So I can't <laughs> I can't have long studio nights like that very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I tend to like liven up at night. Like when I when the sun sets, I start getting like, you know, my yeah. fancy and like want to yeah. make stuff. Me too. Yeah. I'm a night person. Yeah. I don't I don't function in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. What yeah. sucks though is when it, um, when winter comes and the, do- the days get shorter mm-hmm. and so you don't get as much sunlight, which is, I feel like pretty, I mean, it's necessary. We have to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's seasonal, that seasonal thing. What do you think is your biggest failure and success? I don't like the idea of failure in that mm-hmm. as, as a term that means something negative, Um, Because I feel like in my process and in my work, I work with mistakes. You know, Mm -hmm. I work with materials that are sometimes unpredictable and there are things that happen that I can't control. And so knowing that that's going to happen, it allows me to gain some insight instead of thinking like, oh, I messed this up. I failed. It's like, oh, well, this happened and I didn't expect it, but like maybe I can do something with this. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's more of like learning an opportunity. Um, so I wouldn't say I have a biggest failure, (laughs) uh, biggest success. I think probably like some of my larger scale stuff last 2021, I made a, um, in my studio, I made a like eight foot tall sculpture that showed at the national sculpture garden here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And that was a very intense process of creating it. And like two months of solid every day in there, like just working very hard, um, and then being able to present it to the world was really nice. And I, I had done things on it that I had never used before, like different materials. So to approach something at that scale and to use materials that I wasn't used to and have it be successful, um, was a really good feeling. So I'd say, mm-hmm. I'd say that was probably one of, one of my biggest successes. Do you have a team of artists working for you or it's just you, uh, creating your pieces so it is just me um for large-scale stuff i will i will hire help um Mm -hmm. so like either like other artist friends or you know find some assistance um i also will for some larger larger stuff uh will use fabricators Mm -hmm. um so like i make a model and then i send it to them and they they fabricate based on the model um but as far as like the everyday day-to-day it's just me. I'd like to ask a few questions about the business side of things because um I think um any tips would be helpful for so many artists that don't know where to start I mean I I like the fact that you bypass the gallery system and you do it on your own so can you share a few tips for artists? I can try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I do work with galleries. I have, I think I do both. I like to balance both Mm -hmm. Um, because I come from an academic background. I think that that's kind of like ingrained in me, like the gallery system, the museum, Mm -hmm. you know, and wanting to aim for those things. 
Um, but of course it's not necessary in today, like today's society with mm -hmm. social media and all that stuff. Like you don't have to do the galleries. You don't have to do any of that. You know, when I went full-time art, it was very scary. You know, you don't mm -hmm. know, like for like a couple years, like you, you know, you sell, you sell, you do a show, you sell some work and then you have that money and you're like, okay, I'm going to live off this money for the next, you know, however many months until you hope that mm -hmm. you get more sales or whatever. Um, so I'd say early on, it's important to, I mean, like just try to be conscious of how you're spending and what you're spending on. So for me, it was important to like focus my earnings on getting more materials. So it's basically like investing back in yourself mm -hmm. um, and just being smart about that. So of course, like pay your bills, pay your rent, all that stuff, but make sure that you're fe feeding and funding, mm -hmm. you know, what happens in the studio. Um but did you think of a specific strategy of how to do it or it just kind of morphed into something? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was very lucky. Um, I think that, you know, it was a mix of like my work having a unique look and mm -hmm. then getting on Instagram at the right time. A lot of my opportunities came from Instagram. Instagram. Um, okay. You know, it was like. 2015 and everybody at the art world was like let's we're all on Instagram now and um it was just a really great time for growth and like connecting with other people it's different now it's very different mm -hmm. um but you know I think it was just like a, a mix of the right things and so from Instagram a lot of uh like curators galleries other people like saw my work and they reached out directly and were like we want to work with you I mean, I guess at that point, my strategy was just to continue creating work and sharing it and being authentic about it, how I shared my work. You know, it wasn't about, for me, it was never really about like getting views or likes or anything like that. I would, I would do something in the studio and I thought, oh, like, I really like this, this moment. I want to share this moment with other people and maybe, maybe they like it too, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it came from a place of just wanting to share and like connect. Mm -hmm. Again, I know it's very different now because there's, you know, like it's social media is its own beast. But at the same time, like, I think that I, I would say that still stands true. You know, like I just I share things that, yeah, I find interesting and think that maybe others might too. Can you give one tip about Instagram for artists to grow their accounts? I mean, I think I, I very much think like being authentic about what you share. If you're excited about something, I feel like people can feel that. You know, even mm -hmm. if it, even though it's through a screen, um, yeah, when you're excited, people know, or when you, when you make a piece that you like or love, or just have that feeling about like share it, you know, why not? And you just don't know what happens. So I think that's the other part too, is not being a self-conscious about like, if it's going to get likes and views and all that stuff, you just, you just do it. And Maybe it happens. Who knows what the algorithm wants, you know, but um, that's how I do it. And I, I actually I don't post a lot. So that's something that I've noticed can be like a pitfall of social media is some artists. I feel like they feel this need to create content, mm -hmm. but it's really about creating the art. You need to create the art. And mm -hmm. from that, you may get content to share. But I think it's it's easy to start looking at it the other way where it's like, oh, I need to create things to post. I mean, that's not how, how I would do it. Mm -hmm. What do, what do you think of AI art? I'm still, I, I think I'm still sitting in what that feels like or what I think of it. I've played around with some of it, like um, mid journey. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is really, I mean, it's cool. It's fun. Like, I think it could be used as, at least for someone like me who makes physical sculptures, um, it could be like a great jumping off point for like, like if I, if I type in something like a prompt and it bring it pops something up, that's like, Oh, that's so weird. Let me see if I can make that in real life, you know, like, so mm-hmm. it could be like a springboard or a place to brainstorm. But as far as like how it will affect the art world or digital artists or any of that stuff, like, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. AI, it feels like a, it's like, there's like something bigger that's going to happen, you know, like it just feels Mm -hmm. like it's at the precipice of something. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to feel about it. How do you feel about it? I think it's a tool and it's a, it's a fantastic tool. Um, I, I think it's not at the point of replacing traditional artists because the resolution is too small and, it, it still it remains digital, but I, I think it, it can help people illustrate certain ideas or books or something else. But yeah, it's difficult to figure out the end result of it just yet. Yeah. But I'm not threatened by it. Um, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I've used also, uh, I've played around with chat GPT, which mm-hmm. is so cool. Like it's it's the the access the access to information you know we have google mm-hmm. and all that stuff but then to have this thing that talks back to you essentially and like gives you information yeah. is really really fun yeah I, I can see the use for chat gpt it's gonna uh, replace a lot of manual labor you know it's <laughs> it's like a research tool so i think it's fantastic mm-hmm. i can't imagine what's going to happen in a decade from I now <laughs> I know. Well, I think about like, uh, like, you know, when, when people who have hit like a, a hundred years old and you like those interviews that they'll do with like people who've lived a whole century and they ask them mm-hmm. like, what's the biggest technology or what, yeah. what's the biggest change? And people will be like, oh, going from like hand washing clothes to the washing machine, you know, or something like that. And, but you look at the growth of the exponential growth of that mm-hmm. from like 1900s to 2000 or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, insane so for us we're in it and i think absolutely like in 10 years like yeah yeah i don't even know what it'll look like when i studied in school we had black and white photography you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i remember uh uh submitting portfolios with actual slides Mm -hmm, exactly slides (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah Um, why do you think art is important? I think it's a very human thing. I think making art, wanting that need to create is an important part of like living. Mm -hmm. And so art is expression. Art is everything. And I think people sometimes disregard it, you know, as like, oh, it's just Mm -hmm. make believe it's play. It's whatever. But I mean, I think, I think art is at the heart of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you want to say with your art? I think for me, I, what I want is for my work to spark curiosity in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, of course you can, you can look at my work and just think like, oh, that's a beautiful object. You know, it's, it's, it's eye-catching, whatever. 
But my hope is that someone looks at it and thinks, oh, well, what's that made of? Or what, what is it? What is it? You know, and that just that question of what is it? There's a there's a questioning of like reality and existence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like I think for me, I just I want I want that kind of like embracing of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. That's that's a very sweet answer. I like that. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you mentioned you're v- Vietnamese, right? Mm-hmm. Are you the second generation or how did you come to the country? We immigrated here. Um, My mom and dad were refugees from Vietnam and Mm -hmm. they, uh, I think they left Vietnam in 1986 or 87. Mm -hmm. And I was born at a refugee camp in the Philippines. Um, Yeah. And then, and then we came to the U S we came to Texas in Houston where my dad already had some family. Um, yeah, so I had like a green card for a long time. and mm-hmm. yeah. I'm Russian, that's why I'm asking. When did you come here? In early 2000s. So it's been over 20 years living yeah. here. So. Did you go to school in the U.S.? Uh, both. Um, first I studied in Moscow, but then I got my art degrees here. Who is your favorite artist? <laughs> uh, some of my favorites. I mean, of course, like James Terrell. I, I, when I think, when I think about the artists that I love the most, it's always about the experience that I have looking at their work. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the artists that I love are like installation-based artists because they're creating environments, they're creating experiences. Um, so James Trell is like a classic. Every opportunity I have to see one of his pieces, it's absolutely like, let's go. Um, Oliver Eliasson, who uh, he, I, I saw his, I don't think it was a, maybe it was a retrospective, but it was at the Tate Modern in London. I saw mm-hmm. it in 2019. Um, and I had seen a show of his at the DMA here in Dallas, like when I was in, in college. And each time just blew, just blows me away. I, I hope to create work that does that to other people. Like I just, yeah. You mean inspirational? (laughs) Inspirational, but it's like, for me, it's like, I'm very present when I see the work I'm there, I'm fully Mm -hmm. in it. And I am there. I'm not thinking about anything else. It's, it's, an all-encompassing thing. It's a moment. Um, so it is inspirational when I reflect back on it, but at the time, it's just like it, there's nothing else, you know? I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite hobby? My ho- hobby? Uh-huh. Besides <sighs> um, <laughs> um, So I really like doing, like, physical things. Um, like, I work out a lot. Um, I love hiking. Mm-hmm. I I recently started uh, trail skating, so like rollerblades, but like going on trails and just doing like long distance skates. Um, so just stuff like that, just like being physical. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add before we quit? I don't think so. It's been a great interview. Yeah, I yeah I enjoy it too. It's yeah. fun. All right, then um, tell people where they can find you to see your art. 
Um, so I have a big project coming up with Meow Wolf. Uh, they are like an insulation. That's, that's the question I wanted to ask. What's your next project? I'm okay, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is what I should have shared. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this year I have a, quite a few things happening, but um, my next big project is with Meow Wolf. They're opening a location uh, in Grapevine, Texas, which is uh, one of the suburbs of Dallas. Um, that'll open this summer, 2023. Um, so I'm starting that installation next week. So that's going to be my, I think my largest... I'm doing a whole room, so it's gonna be my largest scale work to date. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm doing that, and then I have uh, a museum show that I'm a part of. It's a four-person show in San Antonio, Texas, that opens in the spring. Um, and then I have a solo show in Portland in July and a solo show in New York City in December. Wow, man, you're busy. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, yeah, hopefully I get some vacation in there. But. So how do you find these opportunities? Um, so, I mean, the, the two solo shows, I've been working with those galleries for a while. Okay. Um, and it was the same thing. They reached out to me through, like, they, they saw my work on Instagram, and I think then they saw it in person at, like, you know, other shows. And then, or, like, the art fairs in, in Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and then we connected through that. Um, the Meow Wolf thing, uh, they reached out to me. Um, mm -hmm. I think that my work and Meow Wolf goes together really, really well. And so it was kind of a natural, like a natural, you know, connection. Um, same with the museum. They reached out to me. It's, I don't okay. know. I, I, don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how to do it the other way. Yeah. Can you share what you are going to have in the museum show? How many pieces are you going to have? I think I'm going to have about... 20 to 30 pieces. It's a four, it's a four person show and all the artists are from Texas. So it focuses on um, Texas artists. It's called Beyond Reality. And so I think every artist, you know, deals with something that's like not, not of this reality. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's, it's gonna be like a collection of works from like the past few years. Okay. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, then tell people how they can connect to you. So I am on Instagram as SoPopomo, and I'm also on TikTok, same name. Um, and then I also have my website, bydanlam.com. Awesome. I'd like to thank you for your time and for sharing your creativity and inspiration. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. I thank you Thanks so much for watching. Uh, all the links are in the show notes. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.